Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together.
Please stand for the call to worship. Glory and praise to our God, who alone gives light to our days. Many are the blessings that he bears to those who trust in his ways. Let us worship God. claim that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins against God and neighbor. Let us pray. Creator God, you have created us, but we have chosen to go our own way. You have reclaimed us but we have, by our arrogant attitudes and actions, rejected the claim. You have sent your Holy Spirit to break into our controlled and unimaginative routines. We are ready now, ready to admit that our ways are full of dangerous byways. Our mistakes and failures have often come because, in our false pride, we have not listened to you. Save us again by your forgiving love. us that if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Good morning. How's everybody? 
awake all the time to watch over us. Psalm 121, 3 through 4 says, He will not let you be defeated. He who guards you never sleeps. What a wonderful promise of protection. Praying in 3, 2, 1. Dear God, thank you for guarding us always. We sure are grateful that you will not let us be defeated and that you preserve our lives. Thank you for keeping us safe. Amen. Let us pray. All-knowing, faithful God who directs the steps of those who listen, may your word today inspire us with purpose, may it challenge us to live with integrity, and may we discern your leadership for our lives and this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first lesson is from Isaiah. Please, and invite those who are able to please stand. First lesson is from Isaiah chapter 43, beginning with the first verse. Listen now to the word of God. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I, and I love you, I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
Once again, those who are able are invited to stand for our second lesson. As we turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Luke in the third chapter, reading selected verses, beginning with the 15th verse. Listen to God's Word speak to your life today. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized by John and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Three pastors got together for coffee. And during the course of their conversation, they discovered that all of them were having a similar problem. Bats had infested their steeples, their belfry. The, the noise, the, the nuisance, the odor, they were all dealing with it in some way or another. The first one said, I got so mad that I took out my shotgun and I fired into the air and I thought that maybe I could hit a few of them and I managed to get a couple, but I scarred the building with the buckshot. And the second one said, well, I decided I was going to trap them and I did and I carried them off 50 miles from the church and they beat me back to the building. And the third one said, well, we're not having any more trouble with our bats. And the other two looked at him rather quizzically, and he smiled. And they asked, they said, well, what did you do? And he smiled at them and said, I baptized him. And I hadn't seen him since. Now, that's the kind of story, if it doesn't make you laugh, it'll make you cry. And unfortunately, it, it, it has occurred. It, it's, it's happened that a couple will come with the baptismal gown intact and family and three generations old, the baptismal gown, it's a beautiful service. Or maybe it's a teenager who's had a, 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 a cataclysmic event in his or her life or an adult that has realized, I have not experienced this sacrament, this grace, and at that stage of their life, they decide to be baptized, and then they disappear. Now, before I'm accused of casting stones at these individuals, I want to very quickly say that this baptismal thing, this act of being baptized, it's about a relationship, so it's not all on the individual or the family. It These are vows, these are, these are promises that are made by parent, by the person being baptized, and also by the community into which they are baptized as the family of faith. But on this Sunday, this Sunday early in this Christian year, called the Baptism of the Lord, we look at the Baptism of Jesus, we focus on this sacrament in our church, and maybe it is a good time for us to ask ourselves or reconsider or remember exactly what this power and this promise of baptism is all about. In the gospel lesson, Jesus came to John, the baptizer. And it's an interesting act of humility. And John admitted that he was not worthy to even lace up Jesus' sneakers. 
Yet Jesus joins the crowd in being baptized by John. It was a dramatic moment for John and even for Jesus, for there came a voice from heaven when Jesus came from under the waters or up out of the waters and the voice from heaven spoke and said, You are my beloved. And with you, I am well pleased. Baptism is at the heart of our faith. Baptism is the sign, it is the seal of God's grace. Baptism reminds us that God has chosen us. We are chosen by God to be His children, to be in His family, to belong to God, to be brothers and sisters with Christ. Baptism reminds us that God provides us new life in Jesus. And it's for all of us. Our baptism is the beginning point. It is the entry place of our journey in following Jesus Christ and being part of the family of God. It is our entry into the community of the church. It is a gift from God, this sacrament this sacred act. And so let us reconsider what it says to us. First of all, baptism says to us that it is God who saves us. It is God's activity. It is God who is acting first. It is God who is saving. The water that we use in baptism is only a symbol. There's an old story about a backwoods preacher that had a revival. And after the altar call, he just moved the whole group right down to the edge of the river there. And there was one older gentleman that stepped out of the crowd that said that he wanted to be baptized. And the preacher asked the crowd, is there anybody here who knows any reason why this man should not receive this sacrament of baptism? And another older gentleman, rather wry and seasoned looking himself, said, Preacher, I don't want to interfere with your business, but I want you to know that that's an old sinner that you've got a hold of there, and I'm not sure that a dip in the water is going to do him much good. You might need to take him out in the deep part and anchor him there overnight. Or like one of Hambone's old meditations, the old African-American philosopher said, Presbyterians say sprinkle. Baptists say dip. But I know a whole bunch of folks it's going to take a scrub brush before they're going to be clean. Some faiths teach that the, the power of the sacrament is in the water, that somehow that, that it is the water that is magically made holy, but it's not the water that saves us. The water is simply a symbol of, of our washing, of our cleansing, of our dying and going under the water and being raised up to a new life. It's, it's, not, it's not about the amount of water we believe in our Reformed tradition. And, and it's not necessarily how the water is used, but I have confessed already at our earlier worship services that when I was serving in Madison, Georgia, it was at the time that I had an opportunity to go to the Holy Lands, and I got me some water from the Jordan River, and I brought it back. And the baptisms that we had in that church as we were preparing the pitcher of water that would be poured into the font, I put a couple of drops from the Jordan River mixed in with that tap water. Nobody else knew it. I just did it. And I admit it's poor theology to think that those baptisms meant anything other than any of the other baptisms that were had in that church or that have been held here at this font. It's not about the water. The amount or how it's used or where it's from. The Chattahoochee is just as good as the Jordan River in Galilee. It's about how God has chosen us and how His grace covers us. It's not something that we earn. It's a free gift. We have no belief, no faith without the power of of God's Spirit at work in our lives. 
So it's not the water that saves us. It's, it's, it's not our own example or efforts of being good and righteous and holy in and of ourselves. No, it is the power of God's complete and self-giving love that accepts us just as we are and says to us, you are my son, you're my daughter, I love you, you're mine. The second thing that baptism says to us is, is it is God who calls us. It's God who saves us, and it is God who calls us. Baptism is a free gift which God gives, God gives to us. And in the calling upon our lives as we receive this gift, we are given a new identity. The word baptizo that we use from the Greek is, is a word that describes the act of taking... Uh, cloth and dipping it into dye, a dye solution, and raising it back out a different color, a different thing. And that is baptizo, that act of dyeing cloth, of dipping cloth, of it going in one way and coming out another, of it being changed and becoming different. Act of changing identity changing clothing, so to speak. That is baptizo. This historical fact may surprise you that we read that the practice of baptism in the early Christian church, that after the communicant had gone through a period of study and preparation for baptism, that the individuals would take off their old clothing and strip naked and then would be baptized. And after their baptism, the community gave them a new white garment symbolizing their new identity in Jesus Christ and in God's family. The Apostle Peter echoes the words of the prophet, once you were no people, but now you are God's people. And baptism is a sign that God has a call upon us to be a new people, to be a new person, to wear a new wardrobe. Paul also describes it in the third chapter of the letter to the church in Colossae this way. And if we, I have my, communi- my confirmation class in here. We studied this text this morning in confirmation class where Paul talks to, the, to those, those Christians and says, as you are identified with Jesus Christ, it means you wear a different outfit. You put on a different type of wardrobe so that people can identify you by who you are in Christ. And that clothing is kindness. It is patience. It is humility. It is meekness. It is forgiveness. This is the fashion that you wear in front of the world out of thankfulness and with peace in your heart. You're a new person. Sue Monk Kidd, who there are some people in our church who actually went to college with this author. You might be familiar with her book, The Secret Life of Bees. They made a movie. But she wrote several books, but this one was entitled All Things Are Possible. And in this book, she tells a story about a newspaper article that is different than the ones that we see typically on the front page of our paper, often depressing, troubling headlines. This particular headline read, I asked Jesus into my heart. And this story followed. During the night, dogs had begun to bark furiously around the home of a local couple, and usually the dogs barking signaled something amiss, that perhaps prowlers lurked nearby. But the next morning, the couple discovered that nothing had been taken. Instead, something had been returned. Outside the front door were two car speakers that had been stolen six weeks earlier. A note attached to them read like this, I'm sorry that I took your speakers, but now I have repented my sins and I ask Jesus to forgive me. I hope you will forgive me too. I no longer take other people's belongings. God has changed me. I'm a new creature since I asked Jesus into my heart. And it was signed simply, Saved. I think it could have also been signed, Baptized. As a matter of fact, I kind of like that better. 
Because saved connotes this idea of one and done. Saved. Check that one off. It's over with. But baptized means we have begun a journey and we are given a new identity and we are growing more and more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ Himself. It's a transformation into this new calling, this new life. It starts at baptism. Thomas Daniel had not been in church in eight years. And he was teaching English in Japan. And one of his friends, a a young lady from Ireland who was doing the same, teaching English in Japan, invited him to come to a house church where two Norwegians lived and they had a church that was meeting in their house. And other non-Christian friends were invited to come to this worship service as well. And there were those who were being baptized. And Donna, the young lady that invited Thomas Daniel, was being baptized that day. And Thomas said, I just thought a church was something like United Way. It just did good things and tried to help people. It wasn't spiritual. He said, I didn't even know that adults could be baptized. But he went with these other non-Christians and with Donna to support her on the day of her baptism. And there at the appropriate time in the worship service in this little house packed with people, when it came time for the baptisms, they pulled the wooden planking from the center of the floor and there in the middle of the house was a baptismal pool that these missionaries had built. And Thomas Daniel said, I saw my friend baptized that day And what I remember best is when she came up out of that water, there was a light shining from her face and an expression on her face that I had never seen before. And I had experienced many things in my life, but I had never had that expression on my face. And I asked myself, what do I have to do to experience that? And he says it was that day that he began his exploration into the Christian faith and following Jesus Christ. And Thomas Daniel today is serving the Kairos Church in Atlanta, Georgia, a new church plant of the PCUSA that is about four and a half years old and 500 members strong. And that's where his journey began witnessing Donna's baptism. Baptized means that we have put on a new life in Christ. It means not only that we've been rescued from an old behavior, maybe unsavory habits, but it also means that we walk in the footsteps of the one who gave his life for us. And so how then can we come for baptism and then disappear from the life of the Christian community? or allow people to disappear. The Wall Street Journal several years ago ran an article about the dramatic increase of fundamentalism, militant Islam in Turkey. Turkey known as a country of some kind of a melting pot of the world's religions of all faiths. And in this article they quoted a young Muslim Turk who said, our view of religion is different from yours, he told this Western reporter. According to your rules, he continued, religion counts only in a place where you pray. Our religion is a way of life. I have no time at all, not one minute, without Islam. Now maybe his view of Christianity was a bit jaded and a little bit judgmental. But I wonder, is that how the world views us as Christians? Is those who may talk a good game or come and show up and act all righteous 
for a Sunday and then go live like hell during the week and give our faith and our Lord a bad name? Or do those who look at us as Christ followers see and hear in our lives that we are living the claim? To paraphrase that young Turk, I have no time at all, not one minute without Jesus Christ. It is God who saves us. It is God who calls us to a new identity, a new walk. And finally, our baptism says to us that it is God who goes with us. Just as we do not come to baptism trusting in our own merits or our own goodness or our own righteousness, but in God's gracious love for us, neither do we live the Christian life trusting in our own strength. We can't make it on our own. And the promise of God is there for us. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's said that the great church reformer Martin Luther had his hours of doubt and despair when he was distracted and tempted to be defeated and give up. And in such hours, Martin Luther himself would face the tempter, would face his doubts, and he would say in Latin, Baptizatu sum, Baptizatu sum, Baptizatu sum, I have been baptized, I have been baptized, I have been baptized. Reminding himself that God had saved him and called him and promised to never leave him. And baptism is our reminder that we are never alone in this world. Just as Jesus heard those words at his baptism, You are my son. I love you. I am well pleased with you. We hear that voice speak over and into our lives Have you ever seen a baptism in our sanctuary? Typically it's a little baby, isn't it? Who doesn't even know that God exists. But before that child ever knows who God is and that Jesus Christ loves him or her and died for him or her, they are saved, claimed. A promise is spoken into that little life. And and, and we put water on their heads in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we move to the table, and we anoint their foreheads with oil and say, you have been sealed in the waters of baptism. You are marked as Christ's own forever. And then we walk to this side of the baptismal, or or this side of the, the communion table, and the child is hoisted up, and these words are spoken, you are God's child, and with you God is very pleased. And what happens? Nine times out of ten. No, they don't cry. We've got a pretty good track record going here, by the grace of God. There's a smile on that little child's face as if the child understands what had just been said. The promise of God to never leave or forsake. The powerful truth spoken into our lives. There's a pastor friend of mine that shared this story with me. That late one night, he received a phone call. The phone call was from a couple in his church. And these parents were distraught because their 15-year-old daughter had run away from home They had been frantically searching for her for two days. And that night she had called her parents. And she, by hitchhiking, bus, or whatever, had wound up on the west coast in some city. And these parents were calling the pastor to say, we need you to pray for our daughter. And we're going to get to her as quickly as we can. Please pray. She's scared. She's frightened. She's alone. She's confused. Please pray for our daughter. The pastor assured the the couple that he would, and he hung up the phone. And as he was praying for that young girl, he remembered the day that he had baptized her in the church. And as he brought back to his memory that event, he also remembered the elder that had stood with that child as she was brought into the family of God. And not by coincidence, but by the providence of God, the pastor remembered 
that very elder had moved from that community and was now living in the very town where this 15-year-old had found herself. And so he called that elder. And he said, do you remember this child? And he said, I sure do. And the pastor said, tonight she needs you. And he went to her. And he took her into his own home and kept her safe until her parents could reach her. Never alone. Family of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And it is God's promise to each of us and it goes with our baptism and we remember that it is God who saves us. It is God who calls us to a new life. And it is God who goes with us and never leaves or forsakes us. I'm going to ask us to close the sermon together by you helping me. How many of you have been baptized? Wonderful. You will say with me three times, I have been baptized. Remember and claim your baptism and all the truth and the power in it. And if you need to throughout this week, say it again. Like Martin Luther, remind yourself, I have been baptized. How many of you have yet to be baptized? Consider this. Consider saying with us, I will be baptized. If you feel the call of God upon your heart, and I would love, we would love to help you come to that place where you will indeed experience the sacrament of baptism in Jesus Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Consider saying with us three times, I will be baptized. And if you cannot say either one of those things, listen to the voices around you. And ask yourself if you may hear the whisper of God upon your own heart that the Holy Spirit Himself might be leading you to come into this family of faith. And we would love to speak with you about that as well. So let's close this sermon together saying three times, I have been baptized or I will be baptized. Together, I have been baptized. I have been baptized. I have been baptized. And God speaks these words over and into our lives. Fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame will not consume you. You are precious in my eyes. And honored. And I love you. Fear not. I am with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As you're able, let's stand. Let's respond to this word in prayer, and then by saying the Apostles' Creed. Pray with me, please. Loving Father, gracious Son, powerful Holy Spirit, we praise you. For your coming to us, your moving to us, your reaching to us first, your claiming us, saving us, accompanying us, never leaving us. Thank you for the power and the strength of your promises to us. And may we receive all of the gifts of being your children to get today and live in strength and humility and hope in these days to come as your baptized children to share what we know of you with the world for our good for the good of your children and for your glory amen christian what do you believe 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us pray. Almighty, gracious, and loving God, we stand in the first weeks of the new year, and we pray, O oh God, for New Year joy. We pray for those who grieve on this happy day. Their grief is real, and we lift it up to your throne of grace. We pray for those who seek healing, we pray for protection from what steals our joy. We pray for New Year joy. By, by the victory of Christ, we pray for New Year hope. Gathered today are some who wrestle with doubts, yet seek to believe. We pray for those seeking hope, reaching for the light through a dark cloud. We pray for those who hope to reconcile differences with spouses, family members, or friends. We pray for New Year hope. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray for New Year vision. May we seek your purpose for our lives, even if it means trying something new and following it. May we discover your direction for mission, and may we pursue it. May we join your will to challenge us, to grow, and may we actively respond to that. We pray for New Year vision. And we pray these things in the name of our risen, victorious Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So welcome to all who are gathered here in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. I invite you to participate in the ritual of friendship, the pattern of your pews. Please mark your name and address your first-time guest, then pass it back to its point of origin. Be sure and exchange that right hand of fellowship following the worship service. For those worshiping at Spring Harbor, a special greeting to you. Several of you all I got to see a Thursday night, so saying hello to you. To those worshiping in your home, in your hospital room, uh, online, live, or catching us later, uh, greetings to you too. There are many things happening in this week ahead. Um, church Family Supper, there's a men's power lunch on the 17th. Jim Blanchard is a speaker. Please sign up for that if you're interested in coming. At the end of the month, we're looking to do uh, participate two days in the uh, Building on Faith Habitat for Humanity Build, a punch list of the assignment that we've been given on those two days. Please sign up if you're able to help with that. Following this worship service, our Get Acquainted Luncheon, Part 1, takes place in the parlor. In fact, as I will leave, I will simply walk out the door and back around to greet those who are able to, to make it today. There are other announcements in the bulletin. I call them to your attention. Let us continue our worship of God as we present to God our tithes, our offerings, our gifts, and our very selves.
us pray. All gracious and almighty God, you provide for us, you care for us. As we dedicate these tithes, these offerings, and these gifts, may we remember to put our confidence in you and not to forget your kind words to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God, brothers and sisters in Christ, grateful people of God, go in joy to love and serve the Lord, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of His face to shine upon you and give you peace and all God's children peace today and forevermore. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace and